We are talking about BC Ferries. Joining me now is Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, uh, Keith Baldry. Keith, thank you for talking to us today. Always good to be here, Jazz. So I thought I'd read those emails that I just received in the last hour or so. So let's just start with the, the, the issue number one here. What the heck is going on over BC Ferries? Or on a daily basis, whether it's communications they're poor at, there's mechanical issues, uh, technical issues, staffing shortages, uh, confusion about the availability of reservations. What is going on over there? Well, you just listed all the reasons what's going on. Uh, so it's not just one thing. It uh, seems to be everything. So it starts with, with an ongoing staffing shortage, which has been playing out for months now. And if you recall, the story then was the odd sailing cancellation, um, sometimes several sailing cancellations because of staff shortage. Now you've got added to that uh, knocking out of service a key vessel, which is the Coastal Celebration. And for those who say the answer is building new vessels, keep in mind, Coastal Celebration is a new vessel, relatively. Certainly much much younger than the Spirit class, for example. So building new ships doesn't necessarily solve the problem because ships develop mechanical problems. Then you've got uh, the sudden problem with the website, which people have been using now for years uh, to figure out when to sail, what time they're sailing, uh, how, you know, if there are there any delays. Uh, this reservation system now has a number of problems associated with it as well. All these are coming together at the worst possible time because this is the busiest time of year for BC Ferries. So at a time when people are really needing to use BC Ferries, all these problems come into play, and it's almost a domino effect. And then on top of that, for the last week, and this came up a couple of times at a just-completed news conference with Premier David Eby over here in Victoria. Mm-hmm. I asked the first couple of questions. My colleagues followed. Most of the questions were about BC Ferries. And are you happy with the management of ferries? Because one thing we've seen the last week, where is everybody? You know, we're, We haven't heard from the CEO or the vice president or the, the head of communications or any real or a news conference to explain what's going on. The management has suddenly disappeared on vacation or something. And E.B., you could tell he was very frustrated at this news conference. He said he, he phoned and talked to management this morning. That he's going to get to the bottom of this. That he wants some answers quick. He does say this is the new management team that's in place, um, replacing the old one. Uh, but I'll tell you, the um, the problem's all coming together at the worst possible time, and then no one at BC Ferries around to talk about it, other than the somewhat beleaguered Karen Johnson, who's relatively new there. She was a communications person in provincial government for a number of years. She's now uh, a mid-level person at BC Ferries, and she's been left holding the can here, answering all the media calls to the best of her ability. And I don't think she has all the answers either. No, absolutely. Uh, now, Joy McPhail, I understand, did speak to Global BC today, and, and we'll We'll hear about that on the 5 and 6 o'clock newscast tonight. Here's a comment from Ms. McPhail in regards to when the public will see some changes. In some areas of the company already, some of the routes, there is change. And, and again, I understand that where the change has not occurred and there are real capacity issues, um, there have been improvements. There's been investments, increased capacity that's really worked. We have a $5 billion investment plan for building ships, for bringing in technology and improving our information technology and upgrading and modernizing um, our terminals. Now, that sounds all well and good. Do you think it was a mistake for them to 
uh, do what they did in regards to, under the BC Liberals, it was still obviously a public-owned entity, but it was at an arm's length. Uh, they let essentially the CEO and the executive team run BC Ferries uh, like a business. Do you think this is a, a, a commentary on a different direction where, where, in regards to where the NDP have taken BC Ferries? I don't think they've taken it in a dramatically different direction. Uh, the model hasn't changed. There's still a contract in place. What they did, there was a replacement of the CEO, mm-hmm. um, which one can argue, well, you know, one of the reasons he was let go is that he fired 3,000, several thousand people out of the blue at the beginning of the pandemic when the rest of the public service was, was you know, being protected, even though they're not technically part of the public service. Um, so replacing the CEO, I don't think... Um, righted the ship or wronged the ship. I mean, these things are happening uh, despite who's in charge. Now, Nicholas Jimenez has come over there as a CEO. He's the guy that turned ICBC back on its feet. So, I mean, by all accounts, and again, this was a guy who was brought in by the VC Liberals uh, at ICBC, and he's, he's fixed, he fixed things there. Now he's been parachuted into BC Ferries. But would David Hahn, the previous CEO for BC Ferries, who was brought in under Gordon Campbell and said, hey, run this the way you want to run it, we may not agree with you all the time, but you make the right business decisions. Do you think you would have done things differently today and now, just based on the last four oh, yeah. weeks? Oh, yeah. Han, <laughs> Han was a colorful character. If he, if he was on vacation or if he was off, he would have come in from the cabin or wherever he was and got to work. And, you know, I've told this story many times. I mean, he takes a hands-on approach on, when it comes to crises. And I think you could argue BC Ferries has been in a crisis for the past week with so many people stranded or kept in the dark about the status of their, of their sailing. Um, and I just don't think Han would have sat by and let this unfold. He would have been phoning this show. That's the type of guy he was. He'd phone radio shows. He'd phone the TV station and say, look, you know, we've got a problem, and here's my view of it. I remember him. I remember the night the Queen of the North sank um, before it was announced. My daughter shows up in our bedroom and said, Dad, your cell phone keeps ringing. You left it out in the hall at 2 o'clock in the morning. I look at it, and I've got four missed calls from David Hahn. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I thought, uh-oh, something's up. Phone him back. He says, you better get up. The Queen of the North has sunk. And I said, how many, how, you know, what, how many casualties? He says, we have no idea. So here's the guy, or the worst possible disaster that ever hit BC, BC Ferries, and he starts phoning the media to get up and inform the public before they have all the details, which sort of violates all your classic PR rules from companies that say, don't say anything until you've got all the facts. But no, his view was get the public out there, tell them what's going on as fast as possible. So no, he would have been hands-on this past what, week, no question. Were you the one who told me that there was, I think you called him once and there was a, was a four-sailing wait and, and, yep. uh, and into Wassner's, and what did he do? Yeah, so I phoned him, ran into an unexpected five-sailing weight, which is very uncommon back in those days, and said, what's going on here? So he hired a country rock band to play at the, at the terminal, and I also believe he told all the vendors, hand out free water and Coke and pop, and I'll, I'll pick up the tap. So that was the approach of, um, of Han when it came to the, this, uh, this type of situation. He's very creative responding to problems, and I just think the ferry, ferries have gone to sleep for the past week when... Um, the, the website continues to be very confusing. It's different than their Twitter feed, which seems to be a more accurate uh, description of what's going on. I've had people phone me say they, they'd phone Tawasin and Horseshoe Bay would have completely different reads of the situation of uh, how, who, how, what sailing weight there was and whose terminal had more cars or, or more vessels ready to go. So it's just been a massive confusion for the past week at the worst possible traveling. 
joined by Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. We're talking about the challenges that BC Ferries uh, is dealing with. Uh, give us a call in the open line in regards to what you would like to see in regards to fixing this problem. 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell phone. Uh, let's go to Yoram in East Vancouver. Hi, Yoram. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, doing well. What's on your mind? Uh, suffering in the traffic, you know, <laughs> the usual. But um, but the the thing is, is uh, on the Sunshine Coast, we've been discussing this for over two years. We had a consultation with the provincial government, mm-hmm. and we actually um, proposed to do, uh, they proposed to build a causeway at one point about two years ago, and they were going to fund it. It was going to be seven point four billion dollars was going to be the the cost. They looked into it already, and uh, so um, I'd suggest a causeway, you know, island hopping causeway, so you can you know cover it over to you know. Um, um, Bowen Island and all that, and then come over to the coast and uh, and and you know land it in Langdale, same same place as the as as, as the ferries go. And secondly, to uh, declare ferries an essential service. Your uh, got to be something that that that, that they got to do. Thanks for your call, Your Keith. It sounds great on paper. I mean, and you know this very well. I think it was Pat McGear, former cabinet minister, used to have a model in his basement. He's always talked about advocating for a bridge to to, to Vancouver Island. Um, I guess the question really here is, how do you get something of that size as an infrastructure project? A, you find the money for it. B, I could just imagine the environmental protests alone in regard to building well, a causeway. Well, the caller was talking about the Sunshine Coast, and that's not where the problem is. You know, you live on the Sunshine Coast, but that's not where the population is. The biggest, the biggest and busiest sailings are from Tawasa to Swartz Bay mm-hmm. and Horseshoe Bay to Nanaimo. So that's where the bridge idea has been kicked about. And you're right, Dr. Dr. Pat McGear, the mad scientist, former um, uh, social credit cabinet minister, famously advocated for a bridge. There was a study done, an in-depth study by the BC Transportation Ministry, that said that was a completely unworkable idea, uh, because largely because the Georgia Strait or the Salish Sea is one of the deepest trenches in the entire world. This is not an easy place to sink uh, a, a bottom, unlike the Confederation Bridge in PEI. Uh, so a floating bridge would be impossible. Anyone who's been out there and seen some of the howling windstorms knows such a bridge would disappear pretty quickly in one of those hurricane-like windstorms we get in the, on the strait. So, no, a, a fixed link kicked around. People forget the geography. It's not down to Victoria. It would be basically to Duncan and Richmond. That's the line mm-hmm. that's been talked about. Um, but it would be $16 billion. That's, that was 10 years ago, likely in excess of $20 billion now. But again, it's the ge- geographical and engineering um, concerns that they just wouldn't be able to get to the bottom, literally, to fix the bridge to the seabed. And that's been the big obstacle. So I don't see that happening. It was There was a look at a Sort of a super uh, highway bridge up in the Sunshine Coast, but that was shelved as well. And that one ran into some environmental uh, issues as well. Uh, Keith, uh, I remember uh, at the beginning of this segment, I read an email from Sally about being stuck uh, because of some sort of ferry uh, engine problem. Well, we just got an email from BC Ferry saying the Coastal Renaissance, here we go, uh, on a Friday, the Coastal Renaissance is currently holding in dock at Tawasson, uh, due to a mechanical issue, the 3.15 p.m. sailing from Tawasson to Duke Point will be delayed as we investigate the problem with the ship's engine. We are working to fix this. We'll keep you informed as more information oh. becomes available. As well, as the problem. once you know it. So again, yes. this is the Coastal Ferry, yeah. a Coastal Class Ferry. And the Coastals have been an issue from time to time since they were first bought. I mean, the... the um, 
the spirit fairies, which I, mean, I, ride, I used to ride the fairies a lot. I don't ride them so much anymore. But my wife and I, you know, we take the kids back and forth years ago. We always aimed for a spirit fairy because they were dependable, the biggest, the roomiest. Uh, and the coastals always had this vibration problem. They're much narrower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not a comfortable setting, but there have been these mechanical issues with the coastal far in far greater number than the spirits. But it's, I mean, again, talk about the worst possible time for Friday, to get yeah. hit by on a Friday by again another vessel going down. I mean, this is just going to drive people bonkers. I mean, at the very least, anyone listening. Do not show up at a ferry terminal without a reservation. That is just completely a dumb idea to do. You've yeah. got to have a reservation. But even then, we're getting reports from people saying that's doesn't that's not enough right now to guarantee you're going to get on the sailing you actually reserve for. Keith, we're running out of time. Thank you so All much. Right. Have, have a great weekend. weekend. That's Keith Paul. Yeah.